Hey, hey, what's going on? We're live. We're live. Ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between, welcome back to the Invincible SC podcast. Um, normally, I like to say we have a special episode for you, or we have something exciting in the works, or something like that, but I, this is a pretty <laughs> standard episode. We're just going to talk about it's what happened. It's standard, happens. but. But we do have quite a bit to talk about because, and dude, I will leave you with, a, with, with, a, with an absolute bombshell at the end, of course. Well, of course, an iconic. As every episode has an iconic Patrick Quinlan soundbite. <laughs> um, what we need, if I do, inject it into my veins. That sounded humble. Um, <laughs> cool. Um, we'll go chronological. We got a few Premier League games to pick through this past weekend. Yeah. Um, I guess there was a. A Carabao Cup final or something, mm-hmm. and then, um, yeah, we'll talk about some stuff coming up for the week. Yeah, let's talk. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, I'll just do it the way Thought Mob listed it, I guess. Um, Everton nil, Aston Villa two. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I won't, I won't lie and say I watched this match. Um, but I think, I think there's stuff to take away from it. I think, I think, um, I have more to say about Villa on this. Uh, I think they're going to make a second half push with Chelsea falling down um, and guys just, you know, and a lot of, a lot of teams um, kind of struggling um, at mid table right below them. I think they're going to make a second half push. They have a very favorable schedule. They have Crystal Palace, West Ham, Bournemouth, then Chelsea and Leicester and Forest. So um, I think they can fight for Europe. And this is a big win to a big away win against a side that seemed to be rejuvenated, especially at home. Um, under a new manager, so I I think they're they're gonna they're gonna fight. Yeah, Chelsea. Um, Chelsea also out of the FA Cup, not in a great mm-hmm. spot. Um, but okay. Yep. Um, yeah, Aston Villa are an. Int- I'm sorry, I'm skipping ahead of Chelsea. Right, Aston Villa <laughs> are an interesting. Team. Um, I thought they played well against Arsenal. Um. And to be honest with you, as much as I love the goals and they were amazing, they were a bit unlucky to lose that game. Uh-huh. Well, they they created some good chances. They that was that was a good performance for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there have been more of those. I'm somebody who's been was pretty doubtful of Aston Villa coming into the season. I didn't expect them to do very well. So far, they haven't done very well. Um, there was a a big kind of kerfuffle when Unai Emery came in that everything was going to change, and I don't know that it has yet, but I think, I mean, there are, what, 13, 14 games left in the season for him to prove me wrong there? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they, they, they started really slowly, but they're starting to pick up their form, especially since he's come in. I think I think he's really started turning things around, and they, they did have three – Bad defeats. I mean, at home to Leicester, conceding four goals, that's bad. And then City and Arsenal, they should have had something from that Arsenal game, didn't. Um, but now they have a favorable schedule coming up, and I think they're going to start to climb. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, I don't know that you're wrong about that. Um, okay, on to uh, – I don't know that there's much to say about Everton here. I mean, I think Everton are a team who are shit, so they're going to lose a lot of games. Um, Sean Dyche is going to do a with them, but they are shit, so they do lose. Um, yeah. And that's not something he's going to be able to stop them from doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as the Everton board slash fans slash players slash even Sean Dyche himself, you're just hoping he can do enough to keep them up. Right. Yeah. Um, 
because um, it's going to be dicey. It, they, it's probably down to almost the last day for them. Uh, I, I can't see them getting out before the last day. Um, but I know you're going to have more to say on them later on, right? Yeah, I have. Oh, I, I, I have a little moment for them during the pod. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about Everton right now. Um, let's move on to a game that I was a lot more excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me say a lot more excited about. Um, and no, it's not the next game. It's Northampton Town one Colchester nil. Um, <laughs> Big win actually, I was, for so, the shoes. Funny, I, we are going to do Leeds one Southampton nil. But I was looking at my my follow list on Fot Mob, and New England Revolution, Arsenal, Leeds, and Northampton all won one wow. nil on uh, on Saturday. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but yes, Lee's won Southampton nil. Um, this is like every time they win, it feels like a huge victory for America. Um, <laughs> but Tyler Adams and Weston McKenney have started, I think it's three or four games straight together in, in the center of Leeds midfield now. So that yep. seems to be the preferred strategy for, four. for this yep. side. And, um, I don't would have much to say that's wrong about that. Brendan Aronson gets the start in this game. Uh, I thought he played pretty well. Um, I'm not really sure that there's much else to say. Yeah. On that. And leads are, leads are a good side. Um, Wilfred Nanto has played really, really awesome so far since he's come into that team. He's been really exciting to watch. Um, I'd like to see Crescencio Somerville play more. Mm-hmm feels like he doesn't play maybe that much um but that's kind of that yeah also i'm noticing on uh font mob that they have in the 61st minute crescencio somerville coming on for wilford nanto and then the 78th minute wilford nanto getting a yellow card mm-hmm. so um i don't know <laughs> if he got one from the bench he might have been from the bench or did not walk, that happened, so. but that's kind of that's kind of incredible <laughs> yeah um yeah, again, didn't watch, but still do have some comments on it. I think this is a massive win for Leeds. I mean, it's their first win since the World Cup. So, I mean, double digits games it was now um, winless, at least in the Premier League. Um, and they had the worst form in the league. They looked buried. They looked like they were going to keep falling. And this was a massive six-pointer with, with another team fighting for relegation. If Southampton pulled out a result or even a win, that would be disastrous for Leeds. And they... They came up with the win, a massive win. Um, let's see how that can motivate them going forward. But um, that was that was really important for them. And then I want to say, um, I want to give a shout out to Junior Firpo. Um, had a very good performance, scored the lone goal. Um, I've never been his biggest stand, as you might put it. Um, I've, I've criticized him, especially on the defensive end. And I don't think he's adjusted so well to the Premier League, but big ups to him. I mean, he played really well. And then, of course, I want to mention the midfield pair, um, McKinney and Adams. It's their fourth match in a row starting together. They're finally starting to find their groove. And this was their best performance together. Um, and they they both held down that midfield very, very solidly. Um, and what you said about uh, Nanto and Somerville, two very talented, um, uh, very fast, quick, pacey wingers um, with a lot of ability. And, I think Brendan Aronson might be losing his spot, at least in the, in the starting role. I think Somerville would probably come in and replace him because Aronson started for a while and he, he hasn't scored since August and he's been struggling of late. Um, we know what he has in him, so I, I can see him coming back. 
Um, maybe even a false nine roll because I am not a Patrick Bamford guy. Um, not a fan of his, but um, I think there's I think there's um, stuff to look forward to for Leeds, and this was massive for them. I agree with you, and just the psychological lift of of looking at the table and not seeing yourself in the relegation zone is pretty mm-hmm. huge. Yep, it's That's it's true. pretty huge. Um, although I would argue that pretty much every team underneath Crystal Palace is still in the relegation scrap. Uh, I could, yeah, yeah, you could say that. I mean. Forest are four points ahead of Everton. Yeah, it's only four, actually. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at, at West Ham two points ahead of the drop. Leicester and Wolves both three. Like, Nottingham Forest four. These these teams are in, are in serious relegation fight here. Still think Leicester will, are not in that battle, but maybe we can talk about them now. Yeah, why don't we move on to uh, Leicester Arsenal? Mm-hmm. Um, a game that you always kind of felt Arsenal was unfortunate to not score more in. Mm-hmm. Um, it was satisfying to see the goal go in, um, especially after I don't know how in the world Bukayo Saka didn't win a penalty in the first half. Um, mm-hmm. We won't address the VAR goal because <laughs> it's going to be what it's going to be. It was a good finish from Trussard, but VAR going to VAR, but not in our favor this time, I guess. Um, I re- remember being particularly frustrated in the moment. Um, obviously, these things are a lot easier to deal with when your team goes on to win the game anyways. Right. <laughs> um, so I'd probably be a lot angrier if that didn't happen, but here we are. And uh, I'm proud of the guys for getting the job done, but you'd like to see a little bit more quality in front of goal, and you almost wonder um, about Nketiah starting on the bench. Yeah. Um, and, and you took a lot of the words out of my mouth. Um, I, I was going to say, I think the score did not reflect the match. I think the result did, um, but this was very lopsided. Leicester never threatened besides their offside goal. Um, the ball was always in their half. It was 10 to 1 on shots. Um, Arsenal had 0.66 expected goals, which doesn't seem like much, um, but Leicester had 0.02. Um, one shot from distance, um, never a threat. Uh, not sure whether Trossard's goal was a foul. Great finish. Um, but I want to say Trossard has been a phenomenal signing. I mean, he has been just so lively in a, in a time in a time when Arsenal finally started to dip in form. The players started to, to lose it mentally. They needed somebody to pick them up. Somebody fresh, somebody new, and he's been doing that um, in every match, really. He's, even when he was coming off the bench, he was making an impact. Um, and he's been he's been great. He scored a great goal that didn't count, but he scored that goal against Brentford, should have been the winner, um, and then he had an assist um, in the same match. And I think the same with Jorginho. They called them both boring signings compared to what could have been Mudrik and Caicedo. Um, but wow, have they shown up because these are Premier League experienced players. And at the end of the day, when we're trying to win a title, we don't we're, we're looking for someone to make an impact now, someone who's not going to, um, need time to adjust to the Premier League. Um, and I think this has been incredible. I mean, we, um, I have nothing bad to say about them, really. And I think it's nice to give Nketiah some competition because, as I said before, he has a monopoly up front. Um, and so it's nice to see Trossard and Martinelli both kind of give it their go up front. Um, and, I mean, I think both deserved a shot up there. And then one more thing I just wanted to say uh, that Gabrielle um, has really stepped up since the World Cup. 
Saliba started to dip in form, and Gabriel has certainly picked himself <laughs> up. He's playing his best football this season, um, and he was great again this weekend. Gabriel is world opinion. I I've been a big fan of his ever since he signed for Arsenal. Um, and it feels like every season he just gets better and better. Um, he's an immense presence in the defense. I've been saying this the entire season. I know people were not always 100% thrilled with him before the World Cup, but I, I thought, you know, there were a few mistakes, but overall his performances were still really strong. And um, it, it's I just feel so safe whenever he's, he's taking care of a situation at the back. And... Um, He's a player I really watch and I enjoy watching play. I would not agree with you that he's world class. I would say that at his best, he is world class, um, but he can be prone to some errors and um, and a little bit of inconsistency. And right now, he's playing like his world class self. But I think this is the self we're going to see more consistently in the in the coming year. Yeah, when so. he's twenty four, twenty five now. He's probably got a good four or five years left of this quality of play. I definitely hope so. Um, The question is just consistency because when Saliba was playing really well at the beginning, I think Gabriel was kind of dipping in form. And then when Saliba started to drop off, Gabriel picked, I mean, he picked him up. So the question is can they both play at their top level together? Um, And that's what I really want to see. I mean, presumably, and this is something that we keep thinking is going to happen. Um, presumably, if we were, if we are to hold on to this center back partnership going into next year, the two of them will have the opportunity to prove it on some big stages in the Champions League. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I would love to see them both on their game at times like that because there have been a few games this year where they've both been on, and it has been scary to watch. Yeah. Um, but moving on because this is a little indulgent at this point, I think. <laughs> um because we're going to talk more about Arsenal in a bit. Um, West Ham 4, Nottingham Forest nil. Thumbs up on thumbs up on thumbs up, thumbs up to West Ham. Mm-hmm. Um, so many murmurs in the press about a week ago that, you know, if West Ham loses this game, Moises is out of a job. Um, I think you saw some walking back of that statement even before the match, um, just because I think West Ham are looking at the struggles that other clubs have had finding a replacement manager and went, eh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, it was left to no doubt West Ham drilled for his four nil. Uh, and they played really, really well. I didn't watch the game. Um, obviously cause I was watching the Arsenal match, but I mean, big thumbs up to, to West Ham and, and Danny Ng scoring a brace and laughing in my face. Cause I'm <laughs> one of his biggest haters. Also Declan Bryce score a goal. When does that happen? <laughs> he scored against Arsenal a few years ago. Um, yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, to your point, the first point you made, like that, that replacing a manager isn't always the best idea. I mean, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Um, and David Morris has the experience to get a team like this out, even if he hasn't done it as much from the bottom, he has done it a few times for West Ham. Um, and I think, I think they should stick with him. I really do. Um, they almost, they almost went the distance of a nil nil draw in this one. <laughs> Crazy enough to think, but they scored four goals in the final 20 minutes um, and snatched a convincing and much-needed win. And I think they're going to be fine because they're playing a lot better football lately um, and they have the quality to get out. 
And just as I was saying before, I think they will be fine. I think they'll finish middle of the pack, lower table, like around 14, 15. Yeah, that will be a huge drop-off given their recent uh, performances mm-hmm. in the league. But yep. I think this was kind of always bound to catch up with them. Um, they should be looking at the conference league as an opportunity for them to make their way back into the Europa League next year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, because that revenue would be huge, especially given that they're going to lose out on some Premier League money falling yep. this far down the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so if That's you're a West Ham realistic. fan, they could if you're a West Ham fan, you're probably focused on the Conference League, given that, yeah, West Ham are, are probably still one of the strongest teams in that competition. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I don't, I couldn't, I, I would not be able to name you any of the teams left in the Europa Conference. I'm looking at it right now Villarreal, Anderlecht, uh, Sheriff, Nice. Basel, Lazio, Ooh, hold on. Azed. So there's 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 a bunch Fiorentina's of Fiorentina's in there. Not Fiorentina. Oh, Fiorentina is in there. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Um. So there are names. But Fiorentina. Uh, no, no top teams. Well. They're they're definitely all beatable for Western. <laughs> but, um. But it's not gonna be a walk in the park. Maybe in this one against AEK, whoever they're playing, Los Larson, Larnasa. I agree, and I think people have really so. I don't know. Quick side note on the Conference League. I think that it's a competition that a lot of people have really kind of been dumping on for a long time and just kind of hating on. But I think the Conference League is cool. Like, since when are West Ham fans going to get, you know, European football two years in a row? Right, right? yeah. Like, at at what point in time was it a a, a feasible concept to see West Ham play Fiorentina in Europe? Mm-hmm. Like it's just such a cool thing yeah, that can now happen. It is. You know what I mean? I like it. Um, yeah, there's no reason not to. Exactly. I understand it's for, for money reasons, but there's really no reason not to. And um, and at the end of the day, people say it's such a big drop-off to the Europa League, but you really think about it, it, it all just depends on where the team finished. If a team finished seventh instead of sixth the year before. I mean, that team isn't necessarily worse. Chelsea might not even make the Conference League. You know, so Liverpool could be in the Conference League next season. I mean, so I think I think people underestimated just because it's one lower. But but again, that just means a team finished one place lower than they would have exactly. if they had made the Europa League. So it's not even necessarily worse teams. It could be a little bit worse overall. But no, and yeah. I. So the one thing that I really do like about this is that it's just, and the, and this is the last point I'm going to waste in the Conference League, not waste, but going to put make on the Conference League is. Um, there's so much like with the expansion of the club world cup and all this stuff, there's so much emphasis on making these high end, like super league club players play more and more Mm -hmm. and more. And that's, what's going to bring about like an actual super league. Eventually it's just, they're going to suck, you know, prospects like Phil Foden, Bukayo Saka, um, Anthony at, at, um, man, United. I can't say his last name is so long. Mm -hmm. Um, these guys, I mean, they're going to be pulled into, massive um we're seeing it already at Chelsea Mikhailo Mudrik pulled into massive long-term contracts at these clubs and then just work to death yeah yeah um all the international games all the club games these these top prospects these young talented players are going to be absolutely worked to death um, and their careers are going to be destroyed in the process if you know that is how football keeps expanding but if you see competitions like the conference league come in the I mean players at West Ham maybe play in the world cup or for their nation in the nation's league, but they're not already playing European competitions. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, these are, these are clubs that want more competition so they can make more money and players can 
I don't know. I don't know if I want to say can't handle the workload, but definitely are better equipped to take on some of that workload than look at a player like uh, Jack Grealish, who when he plays for England, I mean, he never stops playing. Not maybe, maybe he's, I think Bukayo Saka is a great example. I mean, that kid has not had a rest in right. how long. You yeah. know what I mean? He just Absolutely. always is playing soccer and uh, the poor guy needs a breath. Yeah. But all right, moving right. on because You're uh, right. this is a complete tangent that I that yeah I, I agree with it now. Um, we the last two matches of this Saturday are going to go by really fast, mm-hmm. and then we'll we'll do Chelsea Tottenham in, in its proper fashion. Um, right. City four Bournemouth one. I, I mean, I think a blind man could have seen this one coming. Um, it was really after after seeing Forrest score that equalizer um, last weekend. You kind of at the fixture list and went, oh, I'm scared for Bournemouth. I really am. Yeah. Um, there was a lot that City had to write with this with this story here. Um, they they had to correct a lot of wrongs from the previous weekend. And and to be fair to them, they did it very well. Um, Holland got his name back on the goal sheet. I think that's 27 this year for him now. Um, yes. And yeah, City looked like themselves. There's not much you can say about it other than that. I got nothing to add. I was expected. Um, it was a big statement that you kind of knew was going to happen after last week. Yeah. I mean, and to be fair, we both expected them to beat Forrest, but after yeah. they didn't beat Forrest, it was kind of like, well, they are about to right. beat Bournemouth. It, it's They're not, not going to die twice. Yeah. No, especially yeah. to a team like Bournemouth that are so close to the bottom. Um, and then we really don't like nil-nil draws on this show, but um, we'll <laughs> briefly say Crystal Palace drew nil-nil to um, – Liverpool. I don't know how many points separate these two on the table, but it can't be many. Uh, Palace haven't been winning man- nine matches recently. Actually, since. nine. Yeah, to be fair. Yeah, it's nine. Liverpool are ahead mm-hmm. of Brighton and Brentford now. To be fair to them. Yeah, it's because they had a couple wins. Um, and they they had a really real statement win against Newcastle last week. Um, yeah, that was a great match. They seem to be the only number, the only team that has their number in the league. Their uh, Newcastle's only two defeats are to Liverpool and. Thought Liverpool were back, and then there's this, and they continue to struggle struggle up front. Um, but again, not much else to say. We can move on. Yeah, I think of the goals and assists predictions of all the players, most solid to score twelve that was like my best prediction. That was really lot. really impressive. Um, by far my best prediction. A lot. All right. Um, we're gonna go on to a predict uh, to preseason predictions that were impressive in a second, though, Josh, because you have your own to, uh, <laughs> to brag about. Well, we'll um, stay with this one. But we'll talk about the London Derby that happened Sunday morning. Um, mm-hmm. It was a chippy affair. There's some fights going on. Best one was right at the end of the first half. It was a good time. Um, ZH gets sent off, or not sent off, and then sent off, and then unsent off. <laughs> um, uh, Emerson Royale was being an asshole like usual. Richarlison was being an asshole like usual. Both um, There's not really much else that you can say about that match, in my opinion. Um, That's typical. Harry Kane was being an asshole like usual, but he scored a goal like usual. So, um, yeah. The, the only I, unusual, it Oliver was, Skip scored. It was, yeah. The, that's the only unusual thing, Oliver Skip with a man, a man of the match performance. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, it was exactly what you'd have expected out of this game going into it. Chelsea have looked terrible. They're very flat. They were uninspiring. And Tottenham, in a physical match, didn't really walk all over them, but managed to get the job done by scoring two goals. Yep. Uh, in the second half. I mean, absolutely. T- Chelsea, 10 points out of the relegation zone, 14 out of the top four. That's an update on what you said last time, which was a little bit more even. Um, 
they have one goal in their last five matches, six goals in their last 12 dating back before the World Cup. Um, they have the joint highest squad value on transfer market um, with uh, 1.05 billion euros uh, level with Man City. Um, and then on a player level, I, I, I got to go back to this. I can't believe we were about to sign Mudrik for three times uh, Leandro Trossard's price. Trossard is just, is just simply a more complete player. I mean, it's exactly what we need, but we're not going to talk about that now. I think Aubameyang and Mason Mount are completely mudded. I mean, they're just they're irrelevant. Aubameyang is terrible. He's done nothing. He does nothing. Right, and he finally came into the match. Of course, didn't do anything. Mason Mount, who was supposedly their their big starlet, the the big academy kid, um, who wasn't balling the last few years, and now he's he's in the mud as well. Um, Mudrick comes out of the game with into the game with seven minutes left. It, yep. Like, yep. Mudrick, same thing. This team is just a shambles. Yeah, and then and then Kepa, bro. Kepa may be the worst consistently starting goalkeeper I've ever seen in Premier League history. Is, I is, don't think there's better. There's one. Every match he plays, I've always said this. Every time I see him play, okay. Man, every match he plays, he concedes a goal that's his fault. Every time, he spills so something. Oh, he he lets one in. Both of those happen on Oliver Skip's goal. It. You just it, Chelsea really makes you like. They really make you scratch your chin sometimes. I just don't even understand, like how, how this happened. But watching the game, the just the one thing that you just think over and over again is, how are they actually this bad? It's, like they're just so bad. I just I don't. Just, yeah, and really. I, I, Christian Pulisic's injured right now. I hope he stays injured. He's gonna embarrass himself. He has to come back from this. <laughs> Everyone, everyone involved with this team should be embarrassed. Joao yeah. Felix is supposed to be their impact loan signing. He was fucking horrible. Yeah, he was horrible. Yeah, like, I like Enzo Fernandez is probably the only player on that team that has anything to be proud of. Mm. Um, because I thought he passed the ball well and was a consistent. Except on that clearance and let the sketch go, but yeah, I um, I, yeah, I mean, I think that that stuff's gonna kind of happen when um you're in this like massive uptick in um quality. You know what I mean? He he's come where was it he was in Portugal and now he's playing in England. So I mean those it, it's a transition we've seen a number of players make very successfully in recent history. Um I don't know what I should probably watch more Portuguese football before I say anything, but um I mean we've seen Luis Diaz uh come and make an instant impact. Bruno Fernandez to be fair to him make an instant impact. Um mm-hmm. There are a lot of players who have, have come from Portugal and been very successful in the Premier League yep. almost immediately. Right. Um, I mean, I think there are going to be hiccups, like like you said, with his with his poor clearance. But for the most part, I thought I thought Enzo Fernandez is the only player so far that has proven his price tag in the Todd Bowley era. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, and this is somebody who picked really Sterling to make Team of the Year. Yeah. Right. Which um, is horrible. Enzo, I mean. Enzo's a really good player, but I still don't think he's going to live up to his 130 million pound deal. Yeah, he has a um, huge price tag to live up to. He does. He's the only one playing well right now. Yeah, he's um, the only player who I was like, ah, you know, we just can't. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we can't be, we can't blame him for anything. But I mean, I har- we we both harp on Chelsea in practically every episode. But how can we resist it? Because it's so every 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 episode there's something new to talk about about Chelsea and. 
I'm just wondering where they go from here. Do they sack Graham Potter? I mean, obviously it was a dumb decision to hire him in the first place and to sack Thomas Tuchel, but is it fair to him? Do they give him time? Could he ever take control over the squad and be the right man for the job? And will it actually progress the club if they move on from him? Or are they just going to hit reset again? I think there are a lot of rhetorical questions. I mean, rhetorical for us. Maybe you want to speculate on that, but these are questions Chelsea has to answer. So that's the thing is I am not jealous of whoever has to make those decisions and yeah. <laughs> trying to answer those questions because <laughs> hell if I know. It's, um, the, it's the same guy who spent $600 million blindly and doesn't know how football works. He's just so good luck with that. Throwing money at all of his problems. Mm-hmm. Pay Graham Potter more money and then he'll do better probably. Yeah, right. Um, honestly, yeah, Todd, there's your strategy. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody tell Graham Potter I'm expecting a tip if he makes any money off of Todd Boy now. <laughs> um, but, dude, I, I just – I don't know. Um, Chelsea are a team who have kind of annoyed me for a long time in a way because it's like they kept – they were supposed to have a bad year. They were supposed to be not that good. Um, like two years ago, they were supposed to be the best team in the league coming into the year. Yeah. I had um, them winning the league last year. Yeah, I think it's, it was the two years before this, this season that we're in now. Both of those seasons coming into the year, they were this team. Everyone was like, oh, man, they're really – they're going to do it this year. They look crazy good. They're going to win the league. And – both times they kind of fell on their faces a little bit, but they were still annoyingly successful in like they won the champions league and like a really bad off year and not, not for the champions league, but for them in domestic competitions that there's a club who annoys me. And mm-hmm. um, I agree. It's a little, we probably don't have any Chelsea fans who listen to this pod consistently at this point. Um, uh, if any of you do much love to you, uh, I listened to a lot of podcasts destroying Arsenal a few years ago. So I, I know your pain. I understand where, you, where you're coming from. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know really what else to say. I think Chelsea are bad right now and they need to hit the reset button one way or another. But I think if they assume that they can stay up this year, which is partly in jest um, because they are 10 points above the relegation zone and you would imagine a team with that quality, won't be actually in that danger, but assuming mm-hmm. that they that they are comfortable with the fact that they're going to stay up this year, they hang on to Grand Potter until the summer and figure it out then because midseason manager appointments are very rarely good long term ideas. And um unless they actually really plan to back him in the summer and try and change something, you're you're stuck with him for now either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you're right. Moving right. we've got we've got one more match to review and then one match to preview. Um, so, Josh, mm-hmm. um, you know how last year Liverpool were two matches off the off the quadruple? Yeah. Uh, the first cup that they won was the Carabao Cup. <laughs> Do not get started with that. <laughs> Do not least, get started with that. The least important of, of the four trophies available to an English club. Um. There's only one team in England left with a quadruple available to them. And it's the team that has turned this title race into a three-horse race. Um, that is true. How hype are you for Man United winning the quadruple? Um, I, 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 I think it's going to happen. Yeah? It's going to happen, yeah. It's going to be amazing. They're going to have the 
the most red cards, the first trophy since 2017 trophy, the Carabao <laughs> Cup, and next year's Community Shield, um, which they'd have to win the FA Cup for anyway. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> this is this was a match that I did not want to watch. Um, I I was just upset that one of them had to win, to be honest. Um, Newcastle hadn't won a major trophy since 1955, other than the championship. Uh, Man United hadn't won since 2017, which is kind of a big deal for a club of that stature. Both teams that I very much mm-hmm. dislike right now. Um, but honestly, I would have rather United won for ethical reasons. Um, they're rivals purely for footballing reasons. So um, it's a little bit different than with Newcastle. Um, they have obviously the history to to win these titles um so i'm happy with that i would say um i think rashford i want i you have to mention him i think he's a true superstar he really is um he he's the best player on that team by far and yeah one of the best in the premier league right now um mm, i yeah, think united might be back as i feared before but i do not think they are title contenders i don't um and then I think one one more thing I want to mention um, is Loris Karius. I really feel bad for Loris Karius. This is his first match of any form in any league, any team, um, in the professional level in over two years. Um, I saw a video of him warming up before the match. He was spilling some easy shots. You could just tell the nerves had already gotten to him. And I, I just know, we all know, that that one match um, four years ago, five years ago, it destroyed him. It really did. I mean, mental health is such a huge issue in the game, especially nowadays. Um, I'm glad it's getting wide, widespread awareness. Um, but like all the all the hate he received, all the memes um, have clearly ruined his confidence and his psyche. Um, and I really hope he gets to a better place. Um, I'm I glad he actually glad. performed well in the match. Yeah, I mean, he he made some decent saves. I I will credit him there. Um, I still feel for him, and I really um, I think he still is not in a very good place. Um, and I, I hope he gets to that place because I think he still gets so much slander, so much hate. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for him that he played, but I think he, I, I think one of the goals might have been a little bit on him, but at the end of the day, it wasn't really, you know, there wasn't that much um, that you can criticize him for. Um, I always find it difficult to blame goalkeepers absolutely for a goal, unless it's like right. a pretty clear, like, I don't know. We, we like once or twice a season, you see Allison make like a true howler of an error, and I'm like, okay, that one's his fault. Right. Or like, you know, I, we've seen we've seen plenty of keepers do like true yeah, howlers, but like, short of that, I don't. Nothing love. like the Champions League one. Nothing like that. Carious man. Yep. Poor guy. But that said, I mean, looking at the positive match, um, congrats to United. I mean, they deserved it, and they're in a much better place than they were five months ago, six months ago. I completely agree. I completely, completely agree. All right, Josh, I have three questions left for you. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one, who will be the bottom three teams at the end of the year? We're probably going to start answering this question every single episode <laughs> um, for the rest of the season. Who will it be? Who will it be? It will be the exact bottom three as now, except Bournemouth and Southampton switch places. Ooh, interesting choice. Everton, Southampton, Bournemouth. I hope you are right. I really hope you are right. Um, 
I've got West Ham, Bournemouth, Southampton. I still I, I've been saying it. I know they just had a huge win. I know they just had a huge win. I I still think Everton and Leeds are going to find a way to stay up. Um, Crazy, but we'll see. We will see. I I this could get clips. I could sound like an idiot. And we will uh, see you wrong. Um, question number two. Another question I think we're going to have to start answering close to every single episode. How many goals will Holland have at the end of the season? Um, 39. Going under third, under 40. You know, I, I had said 42 last time we picked. I'm going to say 39 this time as well. Ooh. I was thinking 39 seems like the right number. Um, It's still going to be a ridiculous <laughs> number of goals, but yeah, uh, I think 39 feels like the right number yeah. to me. Good. Um. And then the last question, what will be the score and why of the Arsenal versus Everton match on Wednesday? Um, I think I, I'm, I'm much more confident going into this one. Um, I think we'll use the last match against them as motivation. And if something <laughs> happen again, we're at home. Um, it may be a struggle, I think, to break down um, their low block that they're obviously going to play. And it's, it'll probably be frustrating for a while. Um, but we will. We will break them down, and once we do, they'll be forced to open up their play, and then it'll become easier, and it'll become a true match of of you know who's the who's the better team, and Arsenal is the better team, and it's going to be probably a three 0 I love that analysis. Um, yeah, I think a number of things about this about this match. I think um, we ran into a pretty a classic Sean Dyche problem that if we hadn't been missing him for almost a year in the Premier League, we probably wouldn't have had, which is that I, I don't know if Arteta forgot or somebody forgot to remind him, but um, Arsenal, the entire team, the entire club, all the players, all the staff, seemed under the impression that Everton would do what every other team has done this year, which is like change their strategy a bunch and, you know, get ready for us. Um, but we all forgot that Sean Dyche plays the exact same way against every single team that he plays. Mm-hmm. It's the annoying way that we don't like to see with the low block and all that nonsense, but he does that against every single team that he plays. And he will have told his players, you're all professional footballers, the same as them. Do not show them any respect that they don't deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, and he probably means deserve a little differently than I do, but it's going to be a rough and tumble match because mm-hmm. it was last time and that's how they play and that's who yeah. they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think you're right. I think 3-0 sounds like a pretty accurate score. I'm going to say 2-0 personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's Sean Dyche come get your ass whooping time. Uh, and I think the performance will be comprehensive. Absolutely. I think we're kind of on the same page there. Yeah. But you're right. Yeah. No, Sean Dyche, come get your ass whooping. It's time. We owe you one now. Um, <laughs> I dare you to put Neil Mope on the pitch. I dare you. Put Neil Mope on the pitch. See how many goals he scores. It'll be zero. Um, yeah. And Might injure our goalkeeper, though, so let's be careful what we wish for. But then Matt Turner plays. Then we get Matt Turner, and we still get the shutout. So, um, Surely Matt Turner's going to play in an A-League match eventually, right? Framsel gets hurt. Arsenal hasn't had a keeper play all 38 matches in many years, so who knows? Yeah. I mean, if, if Turner doesn't see the field, he wouldn't get a winner's medal, would he? 
if we were to yeah, do the part of the roster, part of the squad. Okay. Well, either way, um, mm-hmm. he's going to control that Europa League fixture against against uh, Sporting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Arsenal. That's a good one, by the way. Arsenal Sporting will actually be an interesting one. We should do a, a little bit of a uh, an invincible in Europe type of episode where we can talk about maybe not the Conference League because I know I was just bigging up the Conference League, but I don't find it all that interesting. On the first <laughs> Go back on your word. Um, yeah. No. Well, no, I mean the Conference League is cool for people who no, care about no, the Conference no. League. I know. I just don't care about the Conference League. Yeah. <laughs> um, I get it. If Arsenal were in the Conference League, you can bet your ass I would care about the Conference League. Yeah. Um, and who knows? Maybe someday we will be, but it doesn't seem like this is that day. Um, yeah. Well, with that, I will leave. I will bid you adieu. Um, Mope, you're a cheat. You're a disgrace. And I hope Everton get relegated. I hope Arsenal can contribute to that effort on Wednesday. Josh, I love you, pal. This has been a great episode. And I'll talk to you again soon. It has been. Later, brother. Fuck Sean Dyke.